tonight we're going to be in Psalm 62. Psalm 62. And this is, a, to me, a very interesting psalm. Uh, one thing that we see with this psalm, it, it comes, it, it's not a, a uh, I guess, another time that you can't pinpoint an exact time in David's life. But it is a time that he's going through some turmoil, he's going through a trial, he's got some enemies against him. But one thing about this psalm is, even though it's a time of trouble for him, uh, he doesn't ask God for anything. And I, and I find that interesting. He, he doesn't ask Him for anything. He's full of faith, he's full of trust. Uh, he doesn't have any fear, no despair. Uh, he doesn't really make a petition. Um, and, and the reason I bring that up is, you're going to see in this... In this uh, psalm, uh, you know, we always see David's trust in God, but I think you're really going to see it in this psalm. This psalm is full of confidence, uh, even in a time of trouble. And we see that progression usually in the psalms where David has this petition, he's crying out to God, uh, and, and he, he's asking, he makes a petition to God of, of, of for, against his enemies, and then you see that confidence as that psalm goes on in it building. But this one just starts out... Uh, uh, with some full confidence. Let's, let's start here in verses 1 and 2. It says, Truly my soul silently waits for God. From Him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Now notice a couple things here David says. He says, Truly my soul silently waits for God. The emphasis in this line is... Uh, it's silent before God. In other words, he's blocking out everything else uh, and he's waiting on God. You know, as the Bible tells us to be still and and do what? Yeah, and and see. See the glory of God. See what he can do. David here, he says he's silently waiting. His soul is silently waiting uh, on God. He's, He's blocking out everything else and he, he's realizing here, he's focusing on God is his true, not only protection, but shelter. So not only is God fighting for him, God is protecting him in the meantime. Notice how he goes through here. He says, uh, uh, from him comes my salvation. He only is my rock, my salvation. He's my defense. Now, David doesn't say he's... He, he's the salvation. He doesn't say that he's, he's a rock. He doesn't say he's, he's a defense. He says he's my defense. He's my rock. He's my salvation. Um, does this sound personal to David? Oh, yeah, it does. You know, David here is, you know, as he's thinking about God, as he's reflecting and meditating on God, as he's silently waiting on God while he's thinking about God and all God can do, now he's thinking about what all God is to him. You know, God is much more than someone he just talks to briefly or prays to occasionally or that he refers to every now and again. God is everything to him. Everything that he's going through, everything that he's faced, it's, it's personal to him. It's, it's his rock, his salvation, his defense. And notice he said, I shall not be greatly moved. So... In David's eyes, what can his enemies do to him? With with God here, there's nothing that his enemies can do that's going to affect David's relationship with God. Now, it doesn't mean his enemies can't do anything, 
But David just knows who's his protection no matter what. No matter what's coming his way, God is his rock. That's his, his, his shelter, his, his, his uh, uh, fortress, but it's also his defense. God is going to defend him. So he, 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 you picture kind of, you know, he's in a shelter and God's protecting him from everything around, but he's also his defense and, and fighting against anyone that comes around. So it's not just about, God, let me hide here with you for a little while. God is protecting him, but also, you know, this, this strong wall, this strong wall, uh, uh, rock of defense against any of those that come around. I tell you, when you think about things you have to face, you think about things that you have to go through, um, that should be our first thought, as always. And David always had the ability to look back and see what God's done, and he continues to see what God has done. And he knows what God is doing and will do for him. And it, again, it, it, it's personal. He, he's saying that God is everything that he could possibly need. And he's not going to be moved. Nobody's going to move him from the place that he wants to be in and that he needs to be in. Again, notice how he starts out. It's not a plea to God for uh, God do this against my enemies or, you know, I, I, I'm in this pit, bring me out. He starts out boldly. You know, you think about this song that he's, he's singing. It, it, it's, it's building up. These stanzas that he's, uh, that he's presenting here, it, they're, they're building up. They're bringing confidence. And can you imagine going through the day singing this? You know, God's my salvation. He's my rock. He's my defense. He, he, he's everything that I need. I'm not going to be greatly moved. You know, and I, I, we're going to see how he kind of progressively goes even from that. If you look in verses 3 and 4, he says, how long will you attack a man? You shall be slain, all of you, like a leaning wall and a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his high position. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. So he, st he starts here by, by saying his... I feel like I'm getting an echo. Am I getting an echo or am I just too loud? Um, or my ears are just like a drum. <laughs> Uh, he, he starts here by you know, showing his confidence in God. Now he turns toward those who are, are troubling him, those who are against him. And notice what he says. How long will you attack a man? How, how long will you do this? How long will you, you, you try to accomplish your goal of, of destroying a man that's serving God? He says, you will be slain, all of you, like a leaning wall and a tottering fence. Now... Believe it or not, there's a lot of discussion on this phrase here. I didn't realize that there was. There's, depending on what commentary you go to, depending on what uh, 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 scholarly person you read, there's going to be several different, even translations, whichever translation you're reading. Um, for example, the ESV, notice what it says on this verse. Um, starting in verse 3, it says, How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a uh, tottering fence? So depending on what translation, who is David referring to a tottering fence or a leaning wall or, you know, like a swollen wall? Uh, depending on which translation, the ESV kind of leads you to believe that he's saying, okay, you're, the enemies are coming and David's like this wall just about to fall. But the New King James, as it does here and some others, it, it kind of turns it around. The enemies are like the wall. Um, I don't know that it makes a difference necessarily. 
I, I tend to believe, based on David's confidence and how other things are worded, that he, he's saying these enemies are like this swollen wall, this tattered fence, and it's just leaning down over it, but what's going to happen to them? They're just going to fall. They're, they, it's not going to amount to anything. They, they have no... Um, they have no, I don't want to say authority. They can't do anything to David what they think they're going to do. It's going to end up, they're going to end up just laying on the ground. Notice how it says this. Uh, they're like a tottering fence. He says, you will be slain, all of you. You're not going to accomplish what you're going to accomplish. Uh, some think this may be once again during the time of Absalom's rebellion and he's making reference to those that are, are gaining to him. Uh, uh, with Absalom and saying, you know, this isn't going to amount to anything. This isn't going to accomplish what you think it's going to accomplish. Either way, I think the point's still the same. Who's going against David because David is serving God? It's not going to accomplish what they think it's going to accomplish. It's going to tumble. It's going to fall. He says, all of you are going to be slain. You're, you're not going to be able... Now notice, he's not... Asking God to slay them. He's not asking God to destroy their plans, you know, like he does in many of the Psalms. He's confident that this is what's going to happen. He said, my trust is in God. He's my rock. He's my defense. He's my fortress. He's my salvation. You're going to come to nothing here. You're going to be slain, every one of you. The plans that you think that you have, that you know, the plans that the wicked think that they can do, I mean, just think about it. We, we can put this in terms of today or in any time. Anytime someone goes against good, goes against God, goes against God's children, no matter what they think they're going to accomplish, what the, what's the end result going to be? Are they going to eventually accomplish it and win and say victory? You know, David talked about in another song. At the end, we're going to be going through like a battlefield, wading through the blood because y'all going to come to nothing. When it's all said and done, you're not going to be able to accomplish it. I mean, think of it if he's, and that's a good point. Think of it as he's talking about a swelling wall or a, a, a leaning fence. They're aggravating, aren't they? You ever walk beside a leaning fence and you're having to knock it off of you? and it's about, But what's eventually going to happen? You just step out of the way and you just slam it down on the ground. And it's, it's to not, it ain't like it's going to you know, accomplish anything. It's, it's not going to do anything. It, it could be annoying and, you know, and all of this, but, but it's not going to do anything. He, he says, you're not as strong as you think you are. And I think, that's, I think that's one key thing that the devil uses is he, can, he thinks, probably, in, in some ways because of his pride, but he can convince the wicked that they're stronger than what they are, and that convinces us that they're stronger than what they are. And we give in too easy. How often do we give in to something because we think, oh, it's not going to do any good? Oh, it, it won't do any good if I say this. It won't do any good if I stand against this. It won't do any good if I fight against this. You know, oh, it's how hard it is to be a Christian. Look at all the wicked that's going. Wicked's always been out there. And it's nowhere near like it was. You know, it may come to that, but it, nobody beating down the door, come in here and drag us out in the street and, 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 and shoot us or hang us or whatever. I mean, that, that's not happening yet. It, it may get to that point. But what if it does? What, what would they accomplish? 
what would the end result be? God's still true. His word is still true. The promise is still true. The home in heaven is still true, isn't it? So if all of that happens, it doesn't change any of that. So David here is, to me, the confidence that he has in this psalm is, you know, I, I can just see him, you know, before I'd, I'd see him in the, in, hiding in the cave and, and crying out to God but still trusting in God. I can almost see him just standing out there on the hillside now saying, come on, what, what, what are you really going to do? You know, God is on my side. And if God's for you, who can be against you? And I think that's what he's, what he's getting to. And notice what he says about him. He says, they only consult to cast him down from his high position. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Now he's starting to go into some of mankind in general, but especially the wicked. He says, here's what they do. They, they, they want to cast down those in high positions. So if David is, is king in this high position, why would somebody want to cast him down from that? Why would somebody want to keep him from being king and them be king? Power. You know... Uh, the wicked, the way wicked works, the way it is like David describes here. There's people that think the only way they can achieve anything is by tearing somebody else down. To make myself feel better, to make myself look better, I've got to make you feel bad and I've got to make you look bad. To put myself in a, a better position, I've got to take you from that position. Instead of earning it yourself, working for it yourself, you know, going into it yourself as far as any, any of that goes by our own achievements, it, it, it's to the effect of, I don't want to go through all that. I want it by tearing somebody else down. You know, the easiest way for me to look good is, is to talk about somebody else and, and change the conversation there and let, let them see how bad they are. And he says they do it out of lies because they bless you with their mouth, but then they curse you inwardly. You know, they're over here, they're talking about you, oh, how, how awful you are, how bad you are, and oh, we've got to do something. And you come walking up, and they're like, oh, boy, you're, boy, you're great. Boy, I, you're, you're just a nice person. You know, that's what they do to your face, but then here's how they really feel. And everything they do uh, comes from lies. Uh, I think David's hitting the nail on the head, isn't he? I think he pretty well kind of... And, and I think David is in the right position to see that, you think about where David come from, you think about what he had to go through, and then eventually get in that royalty position, that official position, once he, he gets into it and, and goes, he, he's in a pretty prominent place there. So he's seen all the difference in what it takes to get there, but he also sees what happens when you get there. Two things can happen. One is... You can destroy yourself because you can be full of power. You can, you, you can like the power. You can like the royalty. You can like the prestige. You can like the money. You can like all of those things. And then that can destroy you. Or somebody else can want all of that and destroy you in the process. So he knows what it's like to fight against both of that. And he says you have to fight against both of that. And I think that's what we're seeing here uh, in this psalm. Any, any comments or Thoughts thus far. And God just laughs.
Well, he actually said uh, in one that he'd worshipped with them, he do, and, and they, these that's that close to him are the ones that are deceiving him, you know. Um, and it's, I mean, you, you think about when it comes to money, when it comes to power, those kind of things just truly amplify and bring out who a person truly is. You know, we can... Uh, talk about politicians, and we can see all these politicians, and as they go through, as they're moving up, you know, as, as they become more open, as they become more powerful and able to get what they want, do what they want, you, you see who the person truly is, don't you? And that, that's true at any level as, as a person is moving up, but you truly see who this person really is. Are they really wanting that position to do good, or are they wanting that position so they can do what they want? and have the power and have the prestige. And unfortunately, it's the latter that you see a lot of times. But that, I think that's true in any level uh, of, of whatever it may be. It can, it can be in the church. It could be that. Uh, it can be uh, uh, in the home. You know, uh, 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 the father leading and the husband leading as the headship of the, of the house, it can become just about power and prestige even in, in the home. It can be like that in the church. It can be like that in a city. It can be like that, you know, on into a country. What, whatever the case may be, it can be to where a, a person can get to where uh, it only becomes about that. So David first addresses individuals who's wanting to take that, who's wanting to, to get at a person because of, of where they're at. And he says they'll do it through lies, they'll do it through deceit, and uh, they'll bless you to your mouth, but then they'll curse you uh, inwardly. So, yeah, and he's going to talk about that too. Um, you, you know, you think about, and I find myself, you know, because I have to have conversations with myself all the time, and I even answer myself. So if you ever see me talking to myself, you're upside me at a red light because I'm, I'm, I'm going through things in my mind. <laughs> Uh, but I have to tell myself constantly, okay, think about what you're worried about. Think about what you're upset about. Think about what, you know, is concerning you right now. Strip everything away from it. When it comes down to it, is it really worth that effort that you're putting toward it? You know, is it really worth what uh, you're upset about? Is it worth being upset about? Is it really worth thinking uh, more about it than what you really are? You know, we have to constantly ask ourselves this thing because we, we've got enough people who's, who's trying to cause problems. We don't need to do it uh, just for ourselves. But notice how David does. He, he, he talks about his trust in God. He starts talking about these individuals. And now he kind of has a conversation with himself here. Look, start in verse 5. He says, My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. He is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength. My refuge is in God. I think he gets a little more confident here because he doesn't say greatly moved now. In other words, it almost left a little bit, okay, I, I, you might can move me, but you're not going to totally move me. You're not going to greatly move me. Now he says you're not going to move me at all. I'm not going to be moved. Not greatly moved. I'm not going to be moved. 
And he says, this is why. He says, I'm telling my soul, wait silently for God alone. So what do you think he means by that, for God alone? You alone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, he, and I think that's that silently, you know, really, who else can you fully trust? Is there anyone else that you can fully put your trust in? Even if they are trustworthy to the extent of they want to help you, something may actually hinder them from doing it. So who can you really trust in? He says, God alone. For my expectation is from Him. So it's, 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 he says, my expectations of what I think is going to be accomplished, my expectations on what I think is going to happen, doesn't come from me because my expectation can be limited, right? What if I say, well, my expectation is I want this particular trial that I'm going through right now, I, I, I want to be able to get through it. Well, that may be my expectation. Well, what's God's expectation for that? He can do that and more, can He? Not just this trial, but the next trial and the next trial. God is able to do for me far abundantly more than I could ask or think according to the power that's in me. Isn't that what Ephesians 3.20 says? So he's able to do it abundantly more than I actually can think he can. So what my expectations can't even grasp what he can do. So he says my expectation is not in me. My expectation is from God. So God tells me what I can expect. God tells me what I can expect that's going to happen and can be accomplished. So what is that? Far more than I can think. But notice, as, uh, he says, according to the power that's in us. What's that power? You know, Ephesians 3.20, that power that's in us, what's the power? Paul says it, it's the gospel, isn't it? It's the power of God unto salvation. So uh, what is it? Romans 1.16. So as long as I keep his word close to me, and I keep that on the forefront of my mind, then I can see what God's expectation is for me. God's expectation is toward those that's against me because of what I'm doing for Him. So I don't come up with this. My expectation may be, you know, uh, I, I want this done here. I want it done this way. I, I, I need this to happen at this moment. Well, what if it doesn't happen at this moment? What if it doesn't happen this way? Does that affect my faith? I think sometimes it could. If God doesn't work it exactly how I want it. We want His help, but we want to tell Him how to help us. You know, I, I do that every day. I'll ask somebody, hey, I need help doing this, and then I'll tell them exactly how I want them to do it. Instead of just needing help, I need help the way that I need it. Well, that may not be the way that I actually needed it, you know. I might, it may be better help some other way. But he says it's God's expectation. He said, again... He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. I think he's at that moment again where he's reaffirming this to himself. And maybe we have to do that. Every once in a while we have to say, God's my refuge. He's my strength. You know, even if we believe that, there's times we may have to keep saying that to ourselves to get us through what we're going through. And sometimes it's not uh, as easy as we think it is. Um, again, I, I think he's saying that God's not only his defender, but he's his actual protection 
uh, also. And I like how he says God alone. Um, and David uses this as Titus made reference to Psalm 51. You know, he said that to you and you only. Um, I start to say as sad as it is, we have to come to that realization, but it's not as sad as it is. It's as real as it is that when it, everything is all said and done, God is truly the only one that we can truly talk to, we can truly expect the help that we need, that we can truly expect the defense, and He is the only one that can bring salvation. No, no one else can, can they? Uh, I can't trust in man to bring it. I can't trust in my own uh, well-being to bring it. it. It's through God and Him alone that, that salvation comes. Look at verse 8. Uh, I, I think, again, he's, he, he's not only talking to himself, now he's talking to the people that if this advice works for him, if this is true for him, it's true for everybody else, isn't it, uh, that's serving him. Notice what he says. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Um, I, I was trying to think where I read something about this when it comes to pouring out. Uh, I wonder if I wrote that down. I don't think I did. Uh, no, I meant to write it down. Um, one writer was saying that you know when you pour out, pour out your heart to God, you you've got to pour it out uh, like water. You know when you pour out water, what do, what does it leave? You know if you pour out milk, it leaves color, right? So you you, you still leave something. If you pour out honey, it leaves it leaves a, a smell. If you pour out it, it it's got to be like water. When you pour it out to God, you don't leave anything. You, you pour everything out to him. So notice when he says, you, uh, uh, you people pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. What can we leave when we pour it out to him? What can we not pour out to him? Well, it's our whole heart. That's how we're supposed to serve him anyway, isn't it? With, with our whole heart. So whatever, that, we could do a whole lesson on prayer with this because when you pour it out to God, you may not realize you know, what you need. We may not realize what, uh, what it is we're pouring out because we don't understand it ourselves. But that's, again, one of them things where you just have to give it to God, and it sounds religious to say that, but that's really what we do, isn't it? We, we have to just pour our heart, be, be as open as we can with God because, again, his, our, the expectation comes from Him, the salvation comes from Him, the protection comes from him, so we don't leave anything. Everything is, is to him. Uh, look, starting in verse 9. Surely men of low degree are a vapor. Men of high degree are a lie. If they are weighed on the scales, they are altogether lighter than vapor. Do not trust uh, in oppression, nor vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase... Do not set your heart on them. So notice here. Surely men of low degree are a vapor. Men of high degree are a lie. If they're weighed on the scales, they're altogether lighter than vapor. So if you're, you're weighing what mankind's able to do, whether it's help for you or whether it's something against you, he's saying if you put them on the scales, how are they going to measure up? They don't tip the scales. They're... they're what, can they do enough to tip the scales against God? 
Can they do enough you know, uh, to tip the scales to help you more than what God does? You've got God on this side. You put man on this side, whether it's wicked man against you or whether it's man trying to help you. Can they tip the scales either way more than God? They can't do it. He said they're like a vapor. He said that they're nothing, whether they're of a low degree or of a high degree. It doesn't matter if it's a common man. It doesn't matter if it's the most powerful man we may think. It's nothing. It, they're just like a vapor. One, they can't help you like God can. And two, they can't do anything against you as long as God is for you. Now, can they kill you? Can they hurt you? Can they torture you like they did, you know, first century Christians? Well, of course they can. But they can't truly uh, keep you from God, can they? They, they just can't do it. They, they you know, what, what, uh, what's the scripture say when it comes to don't fear those who can kill the body? Yeah. There, there's more things to worry about than that. There's more things to worry about than someone, what they can do physically to you. So as long as you got the one on your side that, that can control that soul, whether it spends eternity with him or eternity in damnation, that's whose side I want to be on. So man can't measure up to that. He says, do not trust in oppression nor vainly hope in robbery. Uh, he, he's talking here as... Um, as a person, as you may increase in material possessions, as you may increase in riches, it doesn't matter how you get them. You may earn them. You may rob and get them. You may uh, get it for a lot of different reasons. He says, really, what can that do for you? He says, here's what you do. Don't set your heart on them. If your riches increase, don't start trusting in them. Don't just start thinking, okay, now I've got these material possessions, I've got these riches, so now I can start protecting myself. I can start helping myself. I can start uh, uh, supplying my own needs. What happens when we start thinking like that? Well, I don't really need God as much anymore. I, I've got this God. I've, I, I can build my own fortress now. I've got the means to do it. I, I, I've got my own help now. I've got my own defense now. Oh, really? Uh, Walls of Jericho were pretty stout, wasn't they? <laughs> Look what happened to them. Yeah, Bill? Yeah. Yeah. I've got all that I need. I've got so much. I'm going to build more. And fool, if your soul's required you this night, then whose will these things be? You know, and, and that's a real thread, isn't it? Uh the more we have, again, that just brings out the true character of who we are. But you start getting more, you start thinking, I earned this. I deserve this. Now I'm able to do this. And we start trusting in ourselves that we can help ourselves. We can defend ourselves. And he says, here, don't start, uh, don't start trusting in that. And, and David knows a little bit about this, don't it? Uh, was David a wealthy man? I mean... We know he hid in caves. We know he was on the run. But when he was in full-fledged king, he, he was royalty. He, he, uh, he could have whatever he wanted. You know, he could do whatever he wanted, and he did, and it got him in trouble from time to time. So he knows what it's like to think, okay, I'm king. I can do this. I'm king. I, I, I can do this. And he can see where that gets him. So now he's telling the people... Don't do that. Don't, don't trust in, in riches. Um, 
Maybe this is where uh, uh, 1 Timothy 6 come from. 1 Timothy 6, beginning at verse 17, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. I believe this is what David's talking about, isn't it? Don't, don't trust in riches. Don't trust in what... So what's David doing? He's saying, okay, I, I, I'm trusting in God. God's my refuge. He's my strength. He's my salvation. He, he's everything that I need. I'm not going to be moved. Everything the wicked's going to do, it's going to come to nothing. They're like a wall that's going to fall, like a fence that's just uh, tottering there, and it, it's about to come down. He said, all of you are going to be slain. He said, that's what's going to happen to you. He said, people, this is what you need to listen to. Don't, don't trust in men, whether they're low, whether they're high, whatever their status is. Don't trust in them. Don't trust in them to help you, and don't trust that, uh, uh, that they uh, can destroy you, because they can't, unless you let them. And don't trust in riches. Don't let that be what you count on. In other words, don't count on anything but God. And that what God says? Don't put anything before me. Don't, don't put nothing before me. It, with God, it's, it's all or nothing. Can I partly serve God and still have the protection that I need, still have the stronghold? You know, uh, a stronghold only would work if I stay there, doesn't it? <laughs> You know, uh, if God's protecting me here, but I run over here, what good is that protection? It, it doesn't do me any good. I, I've got to stay and trust in Him. It's just like First uh, 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 John 1 and 7. You know, walk in the light as He's in light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ does what? Cleanses me from all sin. Hebrews 10 and 26 says, though, if I sin willfully, what? There remains no more sacrifice for me. So that blood does good as long as I'm walking in the light. But what if I willfully choose not to? What does it do for me? It's still there. The protection's still there. The covering's still there. I just changed. So that's what he's saying. Don't trust in these things. Trust in, uh, trust in God. Uh, don't trust in the things that, uh, uh, that come up as, as far as riches. Notice verse 11 through 12. God has spoken once, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God, also to you, O Lord, belongs mercy, for you render to each one according to his work. Um, this can almost be a little bit misleading to read, or it is for me. Notice a couple things. God has spoken once, twice I have heard this. In other words, he's saying, this is what I know. This is what uh, I've been taught. This is what I'm living by. The power belongs to God, also to you, O Lord, belongs mercy, for you render to each one according to his works. So if each one are rendered according to his works, they get what they deserve, how does mercy play into that? I thought mercy was I didn't get what I deserved. So if, I, if he renders according to his works, where's the mercy? Or this may be what it appears on just the, uh, the reading of it. But think about it. What, what is true mercy? Uh, 
when you think about God's grace, you think about God's mercy, there's the instruction. You know, grace is the instruction. He didn't have to give it to us. That's a gift. He didn't have to do what he did. He didn't have to instruct us on how to have salvation. He didn't have to give us that opportunity. But he gives us another day to do it, right? And he gives us another day and another day. But one day, that, that day's going to stop, isn't it? And then I'm going to be held accountable for what I've done in the body, both good or bad, right? So is that still mercy? That I'm held accountable for what I've done in the body, both good and bad? The mercy is the fact of here's that opportunity, here continues to be that opportunity, and I think the mercy is too that His Word is true, and He says there's going to come a time when there's not going to be another chance. So if, if I know I'm going to be, isn't it, uh, isn't that very merciful for if someone says, okay, here's what's going to happen if you do this. Here's what's going to happen if you do this. You don't know when it's going to happen, but there's going to come a time that it does, so you be ready. Is that not merciful? He didn't have to tell us that. <laughs> he didn't have to give us that opportunity. You know, notice how, how David thinks about this, though. He says, also to you, O Lord, belongs mercy. So David realized it's not by his ability that he's able to do these things. It's not his ability that he gets salvation. It's not his ability that he, he has the rock. It's not his ability that he's got the fortress. It, it's God's. It's God's expectations for him. He knows that, but he also knows that he's human, right? He also knows that we're not perfect. Along with that it is, comes mercy. And, and that's a wonderful thing. He says, for you render to each one according to his works. I think you can look at this a, a little different. And this is how I like to look when you, when you look at Matthew 7. You know, judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you use, what? It will be judged back to you. So if each one, if he renders to each one according to his work, guess what? He won't render to me according to Jeff's work. He won't render me according to Titus's work. He renders according to mine. I won't be judged based on what they do. I won't be judged based on what their abilities are, their opportunities are. I'll be judged on what mine are. I think that's, that's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> I think that's pretty... I'd be very unmerciful if he, if he did it some other way. You know, I, I'm going to be judged based on his word, which is the standard, but he can't judge me the same as he does someone else. He can use the same standard which is the word, but it's got to be based on who I am, my abilities, what my 100% is. My 100% is not the same as somebody else's. And I think that's where true mercy uh, uh, and justice comes from. Any final thoughts about this? <laughs> today, yeah, today you will. That's exactly right. I don't know about you, I like that song. <laughs>